Okay, good morning everyone. I, uh, I'm sorry I can't offer you a drink. I'm even sorrier I can't have a drink. But uh, I'm glad even though we weren't able to have the uh, class yesterday, I'm glad we were able to have it today. Our learning this morning and always the Amuna group, the Amuna Shir is sponsored anonymously in loving memory of Shendel Gittel Bas Chaim Shol's Neshama Shrav and Aliyah. And uh, before we take a look at this Slonim Rebbe, before we look inside, just a word about Tanis Esther, which uh, I've shared in a few different venues already this week. But uh, someone mentioned this morning, they said good morning, and they said, I don't know if I can say good morning, happy morning. Tanis Esther is unlike every other fast day. Normally on fast days, there's a sense of seriousness and sobriety. We're somber because it's a day of collective introspection and reflection. Normally on a fast day, whether it's the four fast days that revolve around the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, um, Yom Kippur, Tisha B'Av, but normally there's an element of sadness, of seriousness. We're introspecting, we're thinking about what went wrong, what did we do wrong, how did we get to this point, why are we in this condition? Because fast days usually revolve around tragedy. We think about all of the oppression and persecution that we survived. And the Rambam writes in Hilchus Tanios that most fast days are Zecher or Mipnei HaTzaros, the result of the Tzaros of the tragedies. Tanis Esther, though, in contrast, is Zecher Latanis. It commemorates the fast. And what it means to commemorate a fast is not just it commemorates the fast as in, you know, we didn't, we, we, uh, we didn't eat and we didn't drink then, so we don't eat and we don't drink now. To commemorate the fast for the Rabbah means to commemorate everything that happened then. Haman understood that we were vulnerable because we were a scattered and fragmented people. I think we need more chairs. We were a scattered and fragmented people among the nations. We were divided, we were judgmental, we were not functioning in a, in a unified fashion. And a result, as a result, we were vulnerable. So Haman understood, when are the Jewish people most vulnerable? When they are divided and scattered, when they're not getting along, when they're hypercritical, when they're judging, when they're marginalized one another, that's when they're vulnerable. So Mordechai and Esther said, or instructed, Leich kinosis kol go gather everybody together. It's sumu alai. And Esther says, fast for me. And then I'll have the courage to go in. So the Rambam says, when we fast today, what we're doing today is zecher latanis. We are not fasting as a source of tshuva. We're not fasting to reflect on calamities and tragedies. We're fasting to relive Purim. Reliving Purim doesn't begin Saturday night, Sunday with the salvation. Reliving Purim begins with that which brought about Purim. Reliving Purim begins with the catalyst for Purim. The miracle would not have happened if we didn't come together with a sense of unity, with a sense of achtos. So today, Tanis Esther is, is Yom Ha'achtos. It's the day of unity. We're not fasting, Stam. We're fasting so that we are interconnected with all those fasting around the world. That we are a community of fasters. That we are creating a sense of peoplehood. We are a nation. We are reliving Lech Kinosis Kula Yehudim. We are reliving that sense of being together. The Ravid writes that all of the fast days are sad and somber, but Tanis Esther has an element, a tinge of simcha. You could say good morning. You could say how are you. You could say have a great day. You could listen to live music, happy music. It's a happy day. Ah, isn't it a contradiction? How could you have a fast day and a happy day at the same time? The answer is normally a fast day is a day of tshuva. But this fast day today is a happy day. When we reflect, when you realize Jews around the world are all fasting for the same reason. We're all reliving, we're reenacting the entire episode of Purim. And the episode began with Lech Kinosis Kola Yehudim. So when we relive the episode, we relive it in the same way by fasting 
by fasting today. It's a totally different way of looking at Tanis Esther. It's not a sad day, a somber day. It's a happy day. And it's a day that we're, you know, it's not always easy to give up that coffee. It's not easy to give up that food for the day, but it's a happy day that we are, we are uh, connecting. And it's a day to focus and concentrate on Achtas. How can we be part of the solution rather than the problem? Too many people are part of the problem. They're judging, they're criticizing, they're marginalizing, they're condemning, they're dividing. So they're not talking to the shul. They'll never daven at the people that are not really orthodox. Everybody, they're not, 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 not. And there's no way that salvation comes in that circumstance. If we long for the Yeshua that they had in the days of Purim, then we best follow their model of Lech Kenosis Kola Yehudim, the Tzumu Alai, the fasting as the prerequisite. Okay, what we're going to look at today, we're taking a break from our normal course of study. We've been studying the uh, Slonim Rebbe on... Uh, we have some more short shoots here. Yeah. Well, everyone's normally at the gym at this time, but it's Tana Zestus, so nobody's working out today. They're all at, everyone's normally at Starbucks, Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, the gym, and... From now on, we'll have a Muna class on all fast days. <laughs> so uh, we're normally learning the Slonim Rebbe and his Shalom on uh, his, his section called Yesodei Torah, where he's been defining Emuna for us. Today we're going to take a break and look at something from the Slonim Rebbe, the Nesim Shalom, specifically on Purim. So he says the following, Kol Purim The miracle of Purim is unparalleled. There's nothing like it. The call to destroy and obliterate and eliminate and exterminate the Jews. And it went out to 127 provinces, this call. And it was on one day. All ages. There was nothing ever like it. Now, there was something like it, the final solution. Hitler's, but not on one day, not 127. They conquered country by country, and the plan grew until it culminated with the final solution. But this notion that the Xera, that a call went out from the emperor of the greatest empire of the world, who ruled over 127 provinces, on one day that all Jews were to be eliminated, the idea that it was signed and sealed with the signet of the king was nothing like it. And the miracle, the salvation, the way in which it had a positive outcome, also unparalleled. Nothing like it. You know, the story of Jewish history is the story of our limping away from attempted extermination. It's the story of surviving the pogrom, surviving the the uh, exile, surviving the persecution. It's a story of survival and limping away. But that's not this story. Purim is v'nahapochu. Everything was turned upside down. It's like the Israeli team that won again last night. They're now 3-0. It's unbelievable. They're, they're, they're the darling... It's not just like Jewish newspapers are talking about how this Israeli team, the underdog with like... The scrappiest Jewish non-professional baseball players ever. They're like the bad news bears, you know. Of uh, so, anyway, it's We didn't limp away from Haman's decree, from Achashverosh's decree. We we turned the whole thing on its head. The Jews ruled. 
נושא ישראל רק בזה שניצלו מאויביהם. אך ישוע כזו שיש איתו יהודים הם בשונאיהם? כמולו ניוסו. We have no other example of that. Where we not only survived, but we actually became empowered. And what was the result? The Jewish people, when they experienced that miracle in Shushan, when they experienced that miracle, they reaffirmed the commitment to the Torah, an affirmation that had not existed beforehand, which is an outstanding statement. It means that the two to three million Jews who stood at Har Sinai and said, Nasa v'nishma, that we've just been reading about, they paled in comparison to the level of commitment to the level of devotion, to the level of affirmation that the Jews who survived to experience the miracle of Purim had. In fact, the Gemara understands mm-hmm. when the Megillah says, Kimu v'kiblu, Kimu masha kiblu kvar. That previously Hashem held the mountain over the Jewish people's head and He said, if you accept the Torah, mutav, it's great. Bim lav, and if not, sham teik vuraschem. That's your burial place, which is a whole question on the Gemara. It should say, kan teik vuraschem. Why does it say sham Except the Torah, God held the mountain over our head and He said, I got a deal, you can't refuse. I have an offer, you can't refuse. Except the Torah, we're all good and well. Don't accept the Torah, psh, I'm dropping the mountain. And if you don't accept the Torah, Sham, what do you mean Sham? There. Here. Here where I'm holding the mountain. So ask me that, Erev Shavuos. So, so we originally accepted the Torah out of coercion. We were forced. And the whole time we were, accept- we were observing Torah from Har Sinai until the story of Purim, which happened when? Historically, chronologically? Between the two Batei Mikdash. So, from all that time, we were observing Torah out of coercion because Hashem gave us an ultimatum, no other choice. But with the story of Purim, Kimu Vikiblu, Kimu Masha Kiblu Kvar, we now reaffirmed, not because we were forced, but because we volunteered, we accepted. Which, let's spend one second on that because it's so hard to understand. The Jewish people who stood at Harsina were called the Dordea. This was the, the privileged generation who had received the greatest revelation in history. They saw the ten plagues of Egypt. God suspended the rules of nature, did everything out of the ordinary. They saw the splitting of the sea. They stood at Harsina and they heard Hashem's voice. The Ribbon Shalom communicate directly, not through an agent. This is the Dordea. And yet their level of commitment was less than the Jews of Shushan who had attended the meal of Achashverosh, who went to these parties. They were mefuzar u mefurad bein ha'amim. Bein ha'amim doesn't just mean geographically they were scattered among the people physically. They were assimilated. They were assimilated in their values. We'll go on a tangent of a tangent for a moment. That's, that's, Mordechai is always identified in the Megillah as Mordechai ha ha-yehudi. And why is he Mordechai HaYehudi? All right, I got it. I got it after the first time. He's a Jew. Mordechai the Jew. Jew Mordechai. I got it. So the answer is that everyone else forgot what it meant to be a Jew. You see, Mordechai, you know, there's a great question you could ask on the Megillah, which is, Mordechai's a hero of the story? Mordechai's a villain of the story. Why couldn't he bow down to Haman? The halacha is that Mordechai was allowed to bow down. There's a toast for us. If you're, if you're not actually intending to worship an idol, if you're bowing down, and to save a life, that's not included in the Yarek V'ayav or the cardinal law that you have to give your life. Forget the technical reason. Halachically, Mordechai was entitled to bow down. And yet, he was so obstinate, so stubborn. And his stubbornness risked the entire Jewish people. Because he refused to bow down, Haman became aggravated and agitated, and Haman instigates this entire plot 
to destroy the Jewish people because this one Jew couldn't bow down. Just bow down. Haman is going to tension of attention of attention. Why was Haman so aggravated he couldn't tell? The Gemara Megillah says, Haman minatora minayan. Esther minatora minayan. Haman minatora minayan. Chazal have this cute interplay where they say, where is an allusion in the Torah to this rabbinic story that was only destined to happen generations later? Where is Esther in the Torah? Haster haster panai. I'm going to hide my face. Where's, where's Haman in the Torah? Where's Mordechai in the Torah? Marjror, among the ingredients of the incense. Where's Haman in the Torah? Hamin ha'etz. When, when Hashem tells Adam, you see this garden? It's all yours. Mangoes and oranges and grapefruit. And it's all yours. Enjoy whatever you want. That one tree, just stay away. Hamin ha'etz, just stay away from this one tree. What's the Rav Shechter used to say? What's the parallel? Haman mena Torah minayim. Haman had everyone bowing down to him. Everyone. One lousy Jew refused to bow down. And Haman was obsessed. Haman couldn't go on. Haman was in therapy, taking antidepressants. <laughs> he was on alcohol. He was a drug addict. He just couldn't overcome the fact that the one lousy Jew wouldn't bow down to him. Haman He had everything else in the garden. Everyone else was bowing down to him. So Haman Menatora Minayin, where do we see a precedent that you could have everything in the world, but there's one thing you can't have, and that's what you obsess over, and it's your downfall? Where do we see that? The Eitzadas. We see that the story, that's what it means, Haman Menatora Minayin. So Haman had everything. But on the other end, there's Mordechai. So just bow down. Bow, bow down. The Jewish people's at risk. Just bow down. So the answer is, yeah, Mordechai technically was allowed to bow down. But Mordechai looked around and he saw what was happening. The Jewish people were assimilated. They had totally integrated into the society to the extent that they celebrated their own demise without even realizing it. They went to the party of Achashverosh. What was the party of Achashverosh? This Mishta. He had calculated, there was a prophecy that the Beis HaMikdash would be rebuilt after a certain period of time and his miscalculation had concluded that that amount of time had passed and the Beis HaMikdash is not being rebuilt and it's time to party. So bring out the Kalim and dress me in the big day kahuna and let's celebrate that God is no longer, that the Jewish people are no longer the chosen ones, that the base of Mikdash will not be rebuilt. And he sends an invitation, he makes a, a Facebook event, and all the Jews respond to the uh, e-invite, will attend, will attend, will attend. All the Jews are at this party celebrating their own demise. And Mordechai looks at this assimilation and he says, uh-uh, technically yeah, I'm allowed to bow down, but someone's got to be a Yehudi, someone's got to be a Jew. Someone's got to remind them that we have our own identity, that we have our own status, that we are a distinct people, that Atavachartan and Bikola Amim. And therefore, Mordechai does, and, he, and that's the Lech Kinos Kola Yehudim, that's what Tanah Esther is about. Tzumualai, to fast and to daven and to remember you have a Jewish soul. Maybe you look like the people of Shushan, maybe you listen to the music of people of Shushan, maybe you, you know, enjoy the fashion and the style of the people of Shushan. Never forget that you're Yehudim. Lech Kino says, Kol Yehudim. Go gather all the Jews and remind them they're Jews. Remind them that they have a mission. Remind them that they're different. And Mordechai throughout the Megillah is known not just as Mordechai, he's known as Mordechai HaYehudi. He's Mordechai the Jew. So this too... Oh, so now let's get back to the original. So the, the Son of Rebbe had said, the notion that the Jewish people, Kimo Kiblu that with Purim, the Jews of Shushan observed Torah, affirmed their commitment to Torah at a greater level than those who stood at Sinai, than the Dordea, than those who experienced the greatest revelation. And we asked, how could that be? 
The Dordea are this incredibly elevated people. And those Jews of Shushan went to the party of Ahasuerosh. They used the utensils that we're reading about in our parshios. They wore the begadim that we're reading in this parsha, Tetzaveh. What do you mean, they saw more? I think the answer is very simple. What does it mean, The Maharal says, it doesn't mean God literally. Are we to understand literally? If you're a rationalist, you're going to struggle with the idea that God lifted a mountain and held it over the head and said, take it or no good, or I'm going to drop it. What does it mean? It means the coercion was the result of the revelation. See, why do we have free will? Why do we have free will? You're choosing right now whether to fast or not fast. You're going to leave here and choose whether to speak Lashonara or not speak Lashonara. You're going to choose whether to daven with Kavan or not daven with Kavan. Why do we have free will? The only reason we have free will is because God is hidden. Anochi Aster Aster Panai. Esther. Hashem is hidden. If God were revealed, we've talked about this many times. If God were revealed, people often ask, if only God spoke to me, if only I could see God, if only I knew with certainty, I'd be the best, I'd be the greatest, I'd really behave. Why can't He talk to me the way He talks to the people in Tanakh? The answer is, if God spoke to us, we wouldn't have free will. You can't do the wrong thing when you know God is in the room. Right? The example I always give is, some people, some, not me, some people go a little bit over the speed limit, but nobody ever speeds to pass a police car. You're a moron. You're a moron if you step on the gas pedal and fly past a cop. You're an idiot. Right? Because when the cop's not there, you can pretend, you're not going to get caught. It's not really so wrong. It's justified where I have to go. The speed limit is just for people who can't drive as well as I can. You come up with all these rationalizations why it's okay. You're, you, you have free will. But when the policeman's in front of you and you understand the consequence of what you're going to do, you don't really have a legitimate alternative. You don't have choices presented. If the Rebona Shalom were revealed to us, if we knew with certainty he was here, could you possibly do the wrong thing? You couldn't possibly do the wrong thing. So the only way to preserve free will, and free will is what gives meaning and purpose to life, so the prerequisite to preserve free will is that Hashem remains hidden from us. So when Hashem is revealed, you have no choice. I think that's what Kaf Aleim Karkikikis, that's what the Maral, not exactly in this way, but the Maral says. Kaf Aleim Karkikikis means they just saw the ten plagues. Dafka, because they were the Dordea, they had seen the ten plagues, they saw the splitting of the sea, they heard Hashem's voice at our Sinai. What are you going to say, thanks but no thanks? You're going to say, I'm not interested? When Hashem speaks to you directly, when Hashem reveals Himself to you directly, it was the ultimate of revelation, and the ultimate of revelation is the ultimate of coercion. Fast forward to the generation of Shushan. Shushan is the ultimate of God being hidden. It's the story of Hester Panim. Megillus Esther doesn't have Hashem's name anywhere in it. If you want to, you could read Megillus Esther and say, Ha! Huh, what a string of coincidences. Look at that! What are the odds that Mordechai would be a member of the Sanhedrin so he would speak the language so he would understand the plot to kill the king? What are the odds the king couldn't sleep one night and he'd ask for the book and he'd open up the page to read about it? What are the odds he'd ask Kaman to parade Mordechai around? And what are the odds? And what are the odds? And ah, what a coincidence. And what chance? And what randomness? Over and over. If you want to read the story of the Megillah as a story of chance and happenstance and randomness, if you want to read it the way Amalek would read it, everything is chance and happenstance, you can. Megillah is the ultimate story of hiddenness. But our job is to see that every time the word Hamelech is used in the Megillah, Hamelech is not talking about Achashverosh. Hamelech is referring to the Melech Malachi Amlachim. Hashem's name is in the Megillah. It's just between the lines. You have to look for it. You have to reveal it. You have to uncover it. Which is the essence of its name. 
I've been saying this all week in different venues, so I apologize if you heard it already. But it's the essence of the name of the Megillah. The Megillah is called Megillas Esther. It's not called Megillas Mordechai, even though Mordechai really precipitated the miracle. Without Mordechai prodding Esther, Esther had the courage to go in. But without Mordechai's encouragement and prodding, it wouldn't have happened. But it's not called Megillas Mordechai. It's called Megillas Esther. Because what's the avoda? What's the essence? What are we doing? Megillas Esther, we're being Megala the Nister. See Hashem's name. You're Megillah, Megala means to reveal. Esther, Nister means that which is hidden. Our job when we listen to the Megillah is to hear and to reveal that which is hidden inside. So the Jews of Shushan, if the Dordea, the Jews of the desert, who experienced the miracles of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, had experienced the ultimate revelation, if for them Torah was coercion, then the Jews in Shushan, who had the, the option, and I'm sure there were, you don't think there were cynical, sarcastic Jews who after the miracle of Purim said, ha, huh, what are you making a holiday? What, what did God have anything to do with this? It turned out Esther is the hero. She had the courage, she went in, and then the party, and one of the odds that Haman tripped and fell on top of Esther right when Ahasuerus walked in. And blah, blah. What, what, what are you talking about God? Where's God in this? You can look at the Six-Day War and say, wow, Israel's superior military, Israel's superior, superior uh, weapons, and a whole string of coincidences, and it's so good that the Egyptians and the Syrians miscommunicated, and the Israeli Air Force took out the Egyptians in the first day. What are you talking about? Where's God in the Six-Day War? Where's God? Or you could see the story of the Six-Day War, and you could be Megala the Nister. It's another Megillah Sester. You could say, wow, wow, Hashem is in this story. HaMelech is throughout the story. So Shushan, the Jews of Shushan, achieved and accomplished something that their predecessors had not done. Kimu Masha Kiblu Kvar. That which had been coerced upon them because of divine revelation, now they accepted on their own volition because they had the option of walking away. They could have read it as if God was not there. They could have remained hidden. And they chose to reveal it. And that, that's the highest level. That's the Kimu Masha Kiblu Kvar. It's a beautiful Rafutner. He says... The Gemara in Megillah says, why don't we say Halal on Purim? Sunday morning, you're not going to say Halal. Say Halal on Chanukah, say Halal on Rosh Chodesh, say Halal on Pesach, say Halal on Sukkot, Shavuos. Why don't you say Halal on Purim? So the Gemara gives three answers. Well, first answer is a miracle that happened outside of Israel, you don't say Halal on. And the third answer is Rava, Akate Avdei Achashverosh We're still part of the fourth Golas, we're still in exile, we still don't have the base of Mikdash, how could you sing Halal as if the miracle is complete? But the second answer is fashionable. It's Rav Nachman. He says, he says, Kriyasa zu halela. The reading of the Megillah is halal. So what does that mean? So on a simple level, it sounds like, the reading of the Megillah is halal. It means, davening's long enough, you're reading the Megillah, so it's in place of halal. It's good enough. You're good to go. Rav Hutner in Pachad Yitzchak says something magnificent. He says, halal always correlates with the miracle. The type of halal you say, the type of praise and thanks you offer, is consistent with the way the miracle happened. So a nes nigla, a revealed miracle like Pesach, a revealed miracle like Hanukkah, so the type of halal you sing is a halal nigla. You say the typical revealed halal where you're singing and thanking Hashem. But a nes nistar, a hidden miracle, you offer a hidden halal. The Megillah is a hidden halal. Don't make them, it transforms the way you hear the Megillah. In other words, when you hear the Megillah on Sunday morning, you're not listening like a Kriya Satora. The Megillah doesn't have the status like Kriya Satora of you're listening to the story. The Megillah is Hallel. You're hearing Hallel. 
We're singing Hallel through hearing the Megillah in the same way in which the miracle happened. When it's a revealed miracle, it's a revealed Hallel. When it's a hidden miracle, it's a hidden Hallel. It's an incredible insight. Rafutner, he is a beautiful uh, Raya. He brings beautiful proof from the Me'iri, but all for another time because we're like three lines into this in Siva Shalom. <laughs> so anyway, that was when he says, Vahaisa Az with the fourth line. So the threat was unparalleled. The salvation was unparalleled. The level of commitment to Torah that resulted, unparalleled. That the Jews had gone from this low level to the highest level. From being forced and coerced to doing it out of volition, out of a sense of volunteering. The Ariya Kadosh, if you look from all that I've shared with you now, is, is, is revealed Torah. But then the Salam Rebbe quotes the Arizal. And the Arizal says that the light of Purim, Purim brings a light into the world. You can tap into a light that is far brighter than any light the rest of the year. The Tikuna Zohar says that Yom Kippurim is Yom Kippurim. Right? Everybody quotes this from the Tikuna Zohar. The Zohar says, it's not a coincidence, that the names of these two holidays, Purim and Yom Kippurim, we call it Yom Kippur for short. We abbreviate it, but the real name is Yom HaKippurim, Yom Kippurim. Yom Kippurim, it's a day that's only like Purim. So which of the two days is greater? Purim. Purim is the greater day. Rafutner and Pachad Yitzchik there also talks about Purim and Yom Kippur are two sides of the same coin. So Yom Kippur is the Ben Adon Lamakom. I'm sorry, Yom Kippur is um, the day in which you... He says the following, Purim and Yom Kippur are two sides of the same coin, where Yom Kippur, we attain a high level through removing ourselves from the physical world. We are angelic. So by abstaining, by, by living ascetically, by not eating or drinking or leather shoes or anointing or pleasure, we are angelic. We transcend the physical world. We are souls. Purim, we are able to achieve the highest level not by transcending the physical world, but by transforming the physical world. So it's the, what's the opposite of not drinking? Drinking alcohol, drinking a lot. Right? What's the opposite of not eating? Feasting. 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 So Rafutner says, because Yom Kippur and Purim are two sides, and which is the higher level? Which is the higher level? Is it greater to become holy by, by abstaining in ascetic life? Is that the way to holiness? Or is it greater to become holy by engaging the physical world and transforming it and elevating it? And the Torah says that the Nazir has to bring a Korban Chatas. He's called a Chote. Why? Because the result is that the Nazir becomes holy. But he took the shortcut to holiness. She took the, the short... A woman could also be a Nazir. She took the shortcut to holiness. And that's not the way to become holy. It's easy. Fast, sit in the corner of the room, don't engage in the physical world, don't talk to anybody. It's easy to be holy that way. But live in the physical world, operate in the physical world, engage the physical world, and transform and elevate the physical world, that's the ultimate in holiness. And that's why Yom Kippurim, yeah, Purim, you're holy. Purim we tap into, we experience holiness for the day. 
but we're taking kind of the shortcut, the cop-out. It's good that we do it, because we need it. It cleanses us. It's cathartic. It's important. It's obligated. But it's a shortcut. If we can do it on Purim, it's the even higher level. So Rafutner says, because they're the two sides of the same coin, both are about the path to holiness, but through two different routes. So says Rafutner, that's why on Yom Kippur, Arab Yom Kippur, what do you have to do? You have to ask Machila. The Bein Adam Lachavero is, is consistent with the way we're trying to achieve the holiness. So how do you, how do you promote the Bein Adam Lachavero between man and man on Erev Kippur? You ask on Yom Kippur, you ask Machila. It's a spiritual connection. What do you do on Purim? You deliver? Mishloach Manos. It's the physical means of creating interpersonal bonds and connections. Here's a beautiful, beautiful mimer that traces this whole path. That Purim is the, the finding Kedusha in the physical. Yom Kippurim, the lower level, is finding Kedusha in the, in the abstaining from the physical. And the whole way that we observe the two different days, in terms of the Inuyim versus the Mishta, in terms of the asking Mechila versus the Mishloach Manos, and so on, is all consistent with the nature of the two different days. So the, the Tikkun Zohar says that Purim, that uh, Yom Kippur pales in comparison to Purim. V'atam ki Yom HaKippur mechape rak l'shavim. Uv'apurim yishkapar afilu l'shainim shavim. Shekal aposhet yad nostem lo. Yom Kippur only works for the person who's working it. Yom Kippur only works for the person who's engaged in a sincere process of tshuva. But Purim provides a kapara even for those who are not engaged in it. Because the halacha is called aposhet yad nostem lo. Shulchan Aruch Ramah quotes that Anyone who sticks out their hand, you got to give them stuck on Purim. Whatever the standards are the rest of the year, that's why kids all walk around and hasn't really hit our neighborhood this minhag. But the notion of kids who know the salacha will walk around and stick their hand out to every adult and get a dollar, they get Purim gelt. This is uh, the, the idea of where it comes from. So the Son of Rebbe is applying this halacha from the physical sense to the spiritual sense that, that Yom Kippur requires sincere attempt at tshuva, whereas Purim, everybody's accepted. As it says, the Rebbe Kodesh of Moshe Al Yakim Bria Mikuznitz, the Kuznitz Rebbe, Besifra Das Moshe, Beshem Rebbe Kodesh Mi Barditchev, the Barditchev Rebbe, Rebbe Levi Yitzchok, Shilafamim Nichta Magzar Din Latova Biyom Akipurim. Sometimes the uh, our year is signed and sealed on Yom Kippur. Viyeshu Dochem Zos Lachanaka Shu Eis Ratzon Miyuchad. Right. This is the great, the greatest um, scam is the wrong word because it sounds harsh, but. The Torah is so brilliant and our rabbis were so brilliant. They understood people operate on deadlines. They need deadlines. So the idea you can do tshuva any day of the year means that you'll never do tshuva. I'll do it next week. I'll do it next month. I'll get to it after Pesach. I clean it. Uh, you know, I'll do it eventually. But by instituting deadlines and timelines, it forces us to behave in a certain way. But even those are not really hard deadlines. So... Elo, we say, you better get ready, Rosh Hashanah is coming. Rosh Hashanah, you say, Yav Aser, Simei Tshuva. Simei Tshuva, you say, Yav Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, you have until Ne'ilah, then the doors are shut. But they're not really shut all the way, because you have till Hoshana Rabbah. And if Hoshana Rabbah you still didn't get through, you have till Zos Chanukah. The eighth day of Chanukah is Zos Chanukah. V'yesh pa'amim shaduch ad Purim. And if you didn't get it done by the eighth day of Chanukah, says the Berdich of Rebbe, you have till Purim. Sha'az hu gemar ha'chasim Because when the Megillah says that it was sealed with Tabas HaMelech, Purim. That's when the king, it's Erev, it's already, Purim is already like Erev Rosh Hashanah. It's already Erev the next Yom Kippur. You know? It's Erev Pesach. Yeah. It's Erev Pesach. Yeah. Zaidi used to end the Seder by saying every year that if you put your ear to the table, if you listen carefully, you can hear the sound of the shofar. 
ויש פעמים שדוחים את פורים שהוא אז גמר חסים וטובה. הטעם בזה כיוון שרק בפורים יש בכינס כל הפושט יד נוסטן לו, אפילו לשאינם שווים. על כן דוחים את הגמר חתימה לפורים. The reason that we, we, we delay the actual sealing till Purim is because by Purim everybody gets in. Because even those who are not sincerely engaged in the process, whoever sticks out their hand is answered. So until now, the Slanam Rebbe has introduced to us all of these unique aspects of Purim. The threats unparalleled, the miracles unparalleled. The fact that we didn't just limp away, but we became Asher Yishlatu HaYehudim, we became in charge, unparalleled. The fact that we didn't just retain our faith, we didn't just renew our faith, but we attained the greatest level of faith, Kimu Kiblu, unparalleled. The fact that Yom Kippur pales in comparison to Purim, wow. The fact that even those who are not returning sincerely are accepted, Purim. The fact that Purim is a window that provides a greater light than any day the rest of the year, amazing. So what is it about Purim that's doing all of this? That's the question. We're going to end here. I'm just joking. Ubiyar ha'inyan, says the Slanam Rebbe, Bekoach ma'sha emshichu es neis purim shekamol aniyasa, umar godol anyano shayom. Yesh lebar api anemar b'migila, sh'amar morachai l'ashiv al-Ester. It all comes down to the following sentence, says the Slanam Rebbe. The greatest sentence. Esther hesitates. Morachai says, look, mi yodayim leis kazos yigat b'machus. You didn't want this position you didn't ask to go into that competition. You didn't want to win it. But who knows if this is why you're here. It's been ordained that we're all going to get killed. But I'll tell you what, Esther. You know what? You don't want to do it. Don't do it. You don't want to do it. Don't do it. Says Mordechai, I know we're going to survive this. I know we're going to be just fine. Everything's going to be okay. Hashem's got our back. You can be the heroine of the story. Or someone else can be the hero of the story. You don't want to do it, don't do it. Esther was telling Mordechai, I don't know if this is a good idea. If anyone goes there and they're not invited, their head's chopped off. I don't think this is a very good idea. Das Esther Haisa, Shebaofen TV, Enkan Shum Derek Lahavi Revach Vatsala. What was Esther's argument? You have to understand that Esther was not unrighteous. Esther was righteous in her own right. She didn't believe. She didn't trust that Hashem had a master plan. Things were going to work out. So what was she telling Mordechai? Why did she demur? What did it mean? I don't know if this is a good idea. So the Slam Rabbi says, Esther was looking and she was analyzing the facts. She was looking at nature, and she says, according to the natural order of things, according to what appears to me on the surface, there's no way here. Anyone who enters the king without being invited, they're going to be killed. So what, she didn't believe that they were worthy of a miracle? And the answer is no. She looked around the Jews, she saw what what Mordechai saw, and she said, you're going to a party that celebrates their own demise? They're eating and drinking out of the kalim of the Beis HaMikdash? They're wearing the Big Day Kahuna? These assimilated, no good, oisvarf, reject, rebels, there's no way they deserve a miracle to happen for them. So therefore, I don't see how this is possible. There's no way to pull this off in the natural order, and they're not worthy of something supernatural. So I just don't see the way out. I don't see it. 
She's going to go into the king uninvited, risk her life. In the king's inner chamber is our idols that are hanging from the wall. It's forbidden really for her to be there. What's she going to risk her life? She's going to, she's going to contaminate her soul even more than she had already by marrying Akashverosh. By being in a room with these slumen, with these, with these idols, when she sees that there's no way it's going to work. So Mordechai answers her, no, 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 no. You and your mother's house, you're goners. You don't want to be the catalyst for the redemption. You don't want to bring about the miracle. You don't want to be the hero of the story. You will not be a footnote to history. You will be absent in history. But says Mordechai, you see there's no way out. I see there's no problem here. Why did Mordechai have to throw that in? Isn't it a little gratuitous? Couldn't he have said to her, you don't want to be the heroine? Don't, I think, by the way, it's politically correct now. Even women are heroes. You're not supposed to go on heroes. You don't want to be the hero? So don't be the hero. Someone else will be the hero. Why did he have to throw in, but you and your family, you're goners. You're going to be destroyed. Why you, that's gratuitous. Why couldn't she survive with everybody else through someone else being the hero? Ela Mordechai Savar Shitoa B'chol Nashmo Shal Bitachon. So here's what's... Hold on, Penny. Stay one more minute because this is the punchline. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> what Mordechai was saying to Esther was, you don't understand what Bitachon's all about. You don't get what Amuna is. Amuna's not when you see a way out, you have trust that Hashem's going to let you walk through the way out. That's not Amuna. You saw the way out. Just walk through the way out. Amuna is when you see no way out and you still believe that things are going to be okay, when you have no idea how, you have no idea how it's going to work out, but it works out, from where? So the Salaam Rebbe, and he says this many times throughout the Sefer, that the core of the Megillah, the story of the Megillah is, what the core of Amuna and Bitachon is the belief in Makom Acher. Somewhere else. Somehow, somewhere, some way, Hashem is unlimited in what He can do. Mordechai says, I could care less what's possible in the natural order. I could care less what you see on the surface. I could care less what you think the limited possibilities are. Makom acher. There's always something you're not thinking of. How many of us in our own lives found ourselves in a situation that we thought there was no way out of? Financial situation, a health situation, some challenge. And all of a sudden... There was a new solution that we had never even dreamt of, that we never thought could be, that was never even a possibility. Mm-hmm. That's the makom acher. Esther had amazing emuna and bitachon, but it had limits, it had a ceiling. It only went so far. She failed to subscribe to the principle of makom acher, that Hashem can make it happen from somewhere else that you don't even see, that you can't even imagine. And Mordechai says to her, not only will salvation come, but it's going to come in Makom Acher, someplace we can't even dream, we're not even anticipating. And because you don't believe in the Makom Acher, you won't be part of that miracle. Because you don't believe that Hashem is capable of anything. You think Hashem can only bring miracles from that which you can imagine. The miracles have to be within your comprehension. The miracles have to be among the options and alternatives that you can dream of. That's not a Murem Bitachon. And Munah Bitochon says, Mordechai is to believe in the Makom Acher, that when you've given up all hope, when you think the impossible, to know that it's still possible.
The Pasuk in Tehillim says, first believe and trust in Hashem, and then do good. What do you mean? Don't you have to first do good and earn trusting in Hashem? The Ramban says, no. Hashem is your loving Father. He quotes this to Salamur and the other Sefer that we're studying of his as well. So we've seen this. Betach Hashem means Hashem is your Father. Trust in Him. You know, even when a child has disappointed a parent, so the parent took away the phone and the iPad and the laptop and grounded them, but now there's a car that's about to slam into the child. Is the parent going to be, well, you know, they're in timeout right now, so I guess I'll let them get hit by the car. The parent still grabs the kid out of the way. Betach Hashem. Yeah, I'll say tov to get your iPad back. But the big things that you have to know Hashem has your back, Betach Hashem. Shehudi tzarek l'amin levtach Hashem, afilu madayin ina usa tov. Afilu rasha gomor. Even if you're unworthy, even if you're on a low level. Mordechai says to Esther, Betach Hashem. Look around. Are they assimilated? Yeah. Have they sold out? Absolutely. Are they on a really low level? 100%. Are they in trouble? Do we need to inspire them and work on them? We've got a lot of work to do. But should you therefore give up that Hashem is not going to cover them? That's not Amuna. That's not Bitachon. That's not what we believe. Betach Bashem v'asei tov. Asei tov comes after. First Betach Bashem. Even if you think that the Jewish people are unworthy, go into that king. You know why? Because the Rebbe v'atzalai amod yehudim makom acher. There's a makom acher. There's always another possibility. Hashem can bring salvation and solutions even when you can't even imagine it. If you have real amun bitachon, betach b'ashem tov, go into that king and trust that makom acher. That even though it violates the rules, you can't go in uninvited. And even though you can't imagine what Achashverosh is going to do and how he's going to receive you, never stop believing in the makom acher. Never stop believing that there's another place. This level of bitachon is called mimakom acher. He goes on, he talks about there's two ways of believing in Hashem. There's Anochi Hashem, that's the Hashem on one level, and then there's the Elokecha, the God who took us out. The Anochi Hashem, that's in this world, the daily Amunan bitachon. The daily Amunan bitachon, that I thank Hashem, you gave me my legs, you gave me the air to breathe, you gave me the roof of my head, you gave me the car, you gave. I thank Hashem for that. That's Hashem. But Elokech Hashem Tzisich Emeret Mitzrayim. That's the origin of Mimakom Acher. Afa Bisha Eina Hagun Ve'Eina Kedai V'Yapi Aseder L'Magilo Klau Revach V'Atzala Ha'Ol Ki B'Tach Shesham Mevtachol Hashem Zegufa Mamshich Lo Yeshua. What brings the salvation is when you could tap into that super incredible level of faith of Mimakom Acher. Not just I believe Hashem can make it happen from among the possibilities I can see. But, I can, but that Hashem is going to make it happen beyond anything I can imagine, beyond my comprehension, beyond what I could picture, beyond even what I can dream. And that explains the dialogue, the conversation between Mordechai and Esther. What Mordechai was encouraging Esther, it explains why he says, Atu and it explains the uniqueness of Purim. We're going to end here, we don't have time to go through the rest of this long piece. But I'll get, skip to the punchline. What he's saying is that when you can tap into the level of bitachon, then that is... That's that great light. That's the unparalleled light. You know, the, the bitachon of, the, of, uh, of, of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the Chag Ha'amuna of Pesach, there's a lot of light. But it's not as great as Purim. When they thought all hope was lost, there is no solution, it's impossible. 
It's an even higher level. The light is even greater. And that's why it's unparalleled miracles. And that's why Asher Yishla Tu Yehudim. And that's why Kimu V'Kiblu Kvar. Because now they affirmed something of their own volition. They weren't coerced. There wasn't revelation. They believed in that Makom Acher and the miracle came through for them. They survived. They didn't only survive, Asher Yishlatu. And because Asher Yishlatu, Kima Mashakib Lukvar, they had an even greater relationship with Hashem than they had had before him. So our avoda, our work, we have a longer Purim than usual. Usually Tanis Esther is Erev Purim. So this notion that Tanis Esther is the beginning of the celebration of Purim is a 48-hour period. But now it's Tanis Esther, Pasha Zachar, it's Purim. We've got the whole weekend to work on this. So... <laughs> So our avoda, our work for the weekend is to work on our Muna and bitachon, not just to see Hashem as being able to bring a solution from among what we can see, but to realize that Hashem can bring solutions to our problems even beyond that which we can imagine. To tap into that makom acher and to, to realize that revach v'atzala yamod yehudim, that we should never despair, that whatever's happening, Hashem can be our solution as He was for the Jews of Shushan. Thank you.